Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 14. Whenever possible, give credit to others, even if an idea was first your own. Those who keep trying to draw praise to themselves soon find themselves forced also to carry the whole burden of responsibility. To succeed at anything, especially anything worthwhile, you will almost always need the help of others. If possible, therefore, involve them even now. Whenever Swamiji talks anything about leadership, it behooves us to listen very carefully. You know, he, just, he accomplished just an, an, an extraordinary amount in a single lifetime. There was a point in his life, he became a monk when he was 22. He joined um, Self-Realization Fellowship because Master was Yogananda, his guru was still living. And he, he went there after reading Autobiography of a Yogi, was initiated as a monk, um, lived with Master lived there with Master for three and a half years until um, 1952, May 7th, when Master died. Swamiji then stayed on in that organization. He was initiated as a brahmachari, as, which is a novice monk, by Master himself. He became a Swami, which is the vow of complete renunciation. He, he was the head monk and the main minister. He was in SRF a total of 14 years which brought him to his 36th year. And then there was a complete, absolute severance initiated by the board of directors of SRF, and, and, force, and Swami was forced to accept it. He's 36 years old. He's been, lived in a monastery since he was 22 years old. Um, he, has, he has, because of the weird circumstances of the separation, he's forbidden to contact anyone that he was associated with during his SRF years, which is basically everyone he knows at this point, he's virtually penniless. He had about he was given an, a you know a, what you, a, a severance check of five hundred or a thousand dollars. So he's thirty six. He has no other career except being a monk. He has no friends, um, and so he ends up living in his parents' house uh, in the back bedroom, in the spare bedroom as he said, staring at the ceiling, praying to die for a period of time, praying to just be liberated if, without being able to serve his guru. And in his mind, it was through the organization Master had founded, he saw no purpose to his life. Well, of course, that isn't what happened. From there, virtually penniless, absolutely alone, Swami built an extraordinary worldwide organization, um, wrote a hundred and... 50 books, which are available in 30 languages, distributed in 100 countries. At least that was the last number I knew, and it's only gone up from there. I mean, and nine communities, hundreds of pieces of music, and thousands of people whose lives are touched, and hundreds of people whose lives were completely defined by his presence. And many, many, many ongoing into the future because he was laying a pattern that will be more uh, more important as the 
age continues to rise. He was way ahead of his time. Now, having said all that, I experienced very directly the brilliance of his leadership and the way he was able to succeed, of course, was primarily the power of God that flowed through him, but also because he was very, very good as a leader. He just really understood how to work with people, and he put a lot of that into this book. Because working with people and understanding how to work together, how to create cooperation, how to draw people's talents out of them and then, and then direct them in such a way that is deeply gratifying for the individual and deeply beneficial for the project. Um, that was what he was. He was an artist. Um, I, I, uh, leadership is the art of creating with other people's energy. I mean, to create with your own energy is one thing, and that's, that's a perfectly valid thing to do. You write a book, you make a painting. It's, it's your expression. To create an organization and to create leaders like yourself is to be an artist with other people's energy. Swamiji had a very, very long-range view also. You know, he would see someone with potential. I, I would consider myself to be that when I arrived at the age of 24. Potential is about all I had. <laughs> and I, I didn't have a lot in the moment, but I did have a lot of potential, a whole lot more than I knew I had. What I've been able to do in my life is entirely, 100% I owe it, to Swami's extraordinary, careful leadership in which he just always was looking to developing the people around him. He, he never had a short-term goal. I mean, it would be faster and easier to do it himself. But in the end, just as he said, if you do it all yourself and you take all the credit yourself, you have to keep on doing it all yourself. And you see how, how one body can only do so much, even if it's prodigiously energetic and creative, it can only do so much. You know, in the, in the life that I and the others who've helped found this community here in Palo Alto over 30-some years, Swamiji's consciousness was always the guiding force, but he, but he had to work through us because he was somewhere else doing something else and guiding countless others. But just a simple little thing like that, give credit to others. Make them feel that their contributions are worthwhile, even if it was already your idea. I mean, how many times do leaders say when somebody says something, oh yeah, I thought of that too. And it's, it, in, in one sense, maybe you're trying to confirm that it's a good idea, but it, it, now all of a sudden the energy is not that someone else had a good idea, but it's, it was my idea too. And one should quietly take it as a confirmation that perhaps one's idea was correct, rather than now I have to tell everybody that I had it first. I mean, it's just, it's a very small thing, but, you know, because I've studied and observed Swamiji's leadership, I've, I've seen how different it is when I myself accidentally say, yeah, that's a good idea, I thought of that too, and then I see how it slightly diminishes the person who offered it, whereas when I make a suggestion to Swamiji and he just accepts it as a good idea, there's just this feeling of, uh, not pride in a wrong way, but increasing confidence. You know, I can have an idea that will be accepted, that will be used, that, is, that, is, that really becomes a defining reality. And, you know, the thought that I have to own it, uh, but anyway, what am I wanting to say? 
I would like to know that Swami had the same idea, but I've gradually learned that he probably always had the same idea, and probably that's why I thought of it, is because he projected it. But where do thoughts come from? Thoughts are universal anyway. We're all just tuning into a strata. But if you always involve people and respect them for their good ideas, then you build that kind of a habit going forward. As Swami said, you might as well start now. And, and making yourself less and making the people around you more, especially when it's appropriate to do so. If you know it's a good idea and somebody else articulates it, let it be their idea. You know, Bob had a very good idea, you say to the next person. And then Bob gets to feel, huh, I had a good idea. And it gives him confidence the next time. And he may have lots of good ideas then because confidence helps us to become inspired. And also you see, it's really good for the leader because then you're not always thinking about yourself. You're always thinking about the people around you. It's a... Uh, let, me, let me think exactly how to say this. Ananda was... You know, most ashrams, most spiritual organizations do not survive the death of their founder. Or they change so radically, so fast, that you can hardly, you can hardly see what was there. Um, Swami Kriyananda, before he died, had pretty much relinquished all major responsibilities and had already given them over to Jyotish, who, he had, who had, he had appointed as his successor. And Jyotish, with his wife Devi, serve even now as the worldwide directors of Ananda. But Swamiji's way of leadership, even though he gave over responsibilities, and even though I mentioned the community that I've been involved in since 1987, um, Swamiji very rarely gave specific suggestions. I can think of two. I, I've always said there were three, but at the moment I can only think of two specific ones in which Swamiji was very specific in what he said we should do. And in all cases, it was a don't do that. We made a suggestion to him once that we should start, this was in the very early 80s, we actually thought someone was going to give us a piece of property that we could use as a retreat. And it turned out they wanted to sell it to us, which made it impractical anyway, but we misunderstood. So we wanted to start a retreat here. And we suggested to Swami that we could start a retreat. Swami's response was, I think we need a retreat in the Bay Area like we need a hole in the head, was what he said. <laughs> and we were joking in front of Swami. I'm getting, I'm getting the impression he doesn't favor this. I'm just picking it up intuitively. I'm not sure. I mean, we were all just teasing because it was so <clears throat> uncharacteristic for him to say that. Because we would be spreading ourselves too thin. We were trying to really get the retreat at Ananda Village, really establish the expanding light to, to just, since so many of, our, of the guests for the expanding light came from the Bay Area, to set up a, re, a competing Ananda retreat at that time, it just we need it like we need a hole in the head. You know, if we spread ourselves too thin, nothing's going to work. A number of years later, like 20 years later, when the idea came up again, Swami said it would be fine now. We've never succe- succeeded in doing it. But the ex- it wasn't that he was afraid of the expansion, it just wasn't the right time. But when someone talked about, let's see, it was, a, it was a book of interviews of, of founding members of Ananda that was turned into a very nice book by Nishala Cryer. 
I might have been, I, I'm not entirely sure, Reflections on Living in Community. I wish I knew what the name of it was. But um, it was a very, it's a very nice book. But, but several, two people in, the, in there, mostly just for humorous effect, talked about how Swami just gave them a giant project and then, and then just basically walked away. When Swami read that, those statements in that book, he called both the people who had said it, and he said to them, I never left you alone. He said, my consciousness was always with you. And he actually insisted that that be changed in the book. And, of course, the people who had said it had not thought it through. But then Swami, in another context, really talked about the way Master trained Swamiji and therefore the way he trained us. He said, when Master put him in charge of the monks, he said, you would think that Master would have sat down with me. This was when Swami was in SRF and he was a young monk. He said, you would have thought Master would have sat down with me and told me what he wanted. But if Master had given me a single instruction, he said, I would have done everything I could to fulfill that instruction. Um, He said, the only thing he said was that Master said he wanted silence at meals. And Swami said, he realizes, he realized later, that what Master did was inspire him intuitively and the phrase Swami used about the way he worked with us is the way Master worked with him. He would project ideas toward toward us, and if we if those ideas resonated with our own way of doing things, and we were interested in being receptive to Swami's consciousness, or Swami interested in being receptive to Master, the idea would come to you. Thoughts are universal; they're not individual. We merely tune in to levels of awareness. And a master projects his consciousness constantly, and those who are receptive receive it. So Swamiji felt he would, if, if Swamiji wrote, if someone is receptive to Swami's vibration, if the idea that he is projecting resonates with my own vibration and way of doing things, then I will receive the idea, I will be interested in the idea, and then I will make the idea my own, and whatever I do with it will spring from inside of me, inspired by my own intuition and commitment, rather than a duty that has been imposed by the authority above me. You see how very different that is? And I, was a, I have been intensely aware of the fact, especially when at the very beginning when I was really engaged in, in defining an urban community and defining an urban temple, because we were, in 1987, we were right at the beginning of what Ananda has become. I realized that even though I had devoted everything I, I had to it, it was, I will reason, I will will, I will act, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity in everything. I became profoundly aware that it was Swamiji's inspiration, creativity, and guidance that had come into me in such a way that there was a seamless unity between it. And it wasn't, I just, I was doing it because I knew it was right, but there was a confidence in doing it that I gradually began to realize was because I had received the idea from him. And it just made me sure of what we were doing. And it worked. You know, when when we, we were following that flow of energy, it just worked. Success came, but not from me, but from his inspiration. And so 
even in, in that, on that various... And what you have to understand is, and this is very important, it's still happening exactly the same way. Master guided Swami. Master died in 1952. Swami died in 2013. Everything he did, and I say that, it's not hyperbole. Everything of significance that he did, which was virtually everything he did, I don't mean what he had for lunch or something like that, was an inspiration that he received from Master because he was receptive. And, and since Swami's died in 2013, in countless instances, I know that the idea that I have is coming from Swami. It's as simple as that. And, there, and then it works. So it's not something that, oh, she was lucky or he was lucky. No, it's now. These great souls are not uh, limited by time and space. The only limitation is our receptivity. So Swami says, so what I was saying is, not only does Swami not take the credit, he's not anywhere in the equation. Apparently, except that he's, he, he is the equation. Whenever possible, give credit to others even if an idea was first your own. Those who keep trying to draw praise to themselves soon find themselves forced also to carry the whole burden of responsibility. To succeed at anything, especially anything worthwhile, you will almost always need the help of others. If possible, therefore, involve them even now. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.